Welcome to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal on Federal News Network. Now your host, Justin Doubleday. My guest today is Cynthia Snyder, Assistant Director of National Intelligence for Human Capital. Ms. Snyder, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm just honored to be here today. Absolutely. And, you know, we've been covering a lot of human capital related issues at Inside the IC. We've been talking a lot about security clearance policy and recruiting strategies and things like that. So I'm really excited to ha- have you on here as you, as you overlook the human capital policies across the intelligence community. And, and I'd love to know just at the start, what are some of your top priorities as the assistant director for human capital? You know, that's a great question. I've assumed this role during uh, some very exciting times. So uh, one of the things that uh, our team, as well as our leadership within the uh, human capital community, as well as our leadership throughout ODNI, identified people as being our top priority. And uh, so when I look at the priorities that I think would certainly help us achieve and deliver the capabilities that are consistent with our strategies, one of the things that we've done is we've we've looked at how can we strengthen our human capital talent management strategy. And that's basically to ensure that we not only hire, but we build and sustain a workforce that is future ready. And so for us, that means in addition to our hiring the right talent, we also have to invest in our current talent. Uh, we have to ensure that our current talent also maintains their currency and proficiency in their trade craft, because these are our future leaders. And as we're bringing in new talent, we have to ensure that their leaders are proficient on all the new technologies that our new workforce is bringing into the uh, workplace. So definitely the uh, hiring the right talent as we're looking to the future, as well as upskilling and sustaining our current talent. And when you say hiring the right talent, can you talk a little bit more about what that means here in 2023 and going forward over the next five to 10 years? When we get together and we look at our future needs, our our strategy, we have to understand what are the, the new technologies that we're projecting to introduce into the workplace. And based on those new technologies, what new skill sets do we need? And so we don't hire for today. We're always hire for tomorrow. And so ensuring that we have the right talent is understanding what those new technologies are, how they're going to be integrated into the work environment. What are the skill sets that's needed to understand how to apply those technologies into their uh, workplace and to help with the advanced analytics and business operations that uh, uh, they do every day. So that's what I mean about the right talent. And there really is so much going on in the technology space when you talk about generative AI, quantum, a lot of just fast-moving technological developments and associated skills. And you also mentioned investing in your current talents. And I'd love just to dig into that a little bit, making sure they maintain that currency and proficiency in their tradecraft. Is that also kind of that technology bent, maybe what you learned 10 years ago needs a, a refresh if you're someone within the IC today. How, how are you getting after that? Yeah, no, and that's, again, a great question. We're continuous learners. 
So with that in mind, and again, understanding what's going on in the world, uh, understand the technology advances and how that's impacting how we operate, how our adversaries operate, just having a much broader understanding and perspective of the technological impact on everything that we do. Our current workforce, you know, we hired them in anticipation of not only what they were bringing to the table at that time, but they have the foundation to continue to build upon the skills that they have. And we also have programs that we will allow them to reskill. So again, continuing to build upon those foundational skills that they brought to the workplace. If there's a new skill set that we're looking for, then we also afford the opportunity to reskill our existing workforce. I desire, you know, we've invested so much in our workforce and we definitely want to keep them and continue to uh, leverage the skills and capabilities that they have. And they also provide so much continuity uh, when it comes to working a lot of some of our challenging tasks, just allowing the opportunities to not only just reskill, but continue to build up on their current skills. And is that a challenge in the IC in particular, just given that I'm sure a lot of people are just stretched thin? Obviously, you have a, a very fast-paced work environment when you're someone who's in the IC by its very nature. Is it is it something that as human capital teams, you have to really be proactive about saying, no, you, you have to set aside, you have to let your people set aside some time to go take that class or create even, you know, classes that people can plug into so they can actually gain, gain some new skills, whatever that might be, even as they're trying to do what is a pretty important day job? Definitely, it can be challenging because you're uh, addressing the immediate day-to-day crises as well as trying to look forward and anticipate other things that could happen. But I also know that our leadership recognized the importance of investing in our workforce. So yes, we may have to take someone out of the workplace for a short period of time to advance their skills, but when they come back, they're bringing so much more. And what they're learning is not just for them, but they're also educating those that they work with. So it's, you know, there's definitely more than just investing in that one individual. That individual can help grow five, 10, so many others. So we we don't have to send everybody out. Again, recognizing how to leverage that training to ensure that we get the maximum uh, return on our investments. And the other thing too, a lot of our workforce, they're just self-motivated to go out and do things on their own and learn new skills and, and expand and strengthen their trade craft. You know, the critical thinking skills, it challenges them to do that as well. And that's been a tremendous asset. All right. And I, I want to turn to recruiting, which of course we've touched on a little bit already, but I want to ask how how at, at ODNI are you trying to set the conditions to improve the recruiting process across the intelligence community, especially with this you know current generation of younger people who, as we've been talking about, I think for several years now, um, are a little bit more maybe 
not thinking about a 30 year one job career, but are thinking more about bouncing around, maybe have different skills, have different backgrounds. How are you trying to improve the recruiting process within um, that context? As far as recruitment, uh, that is certainly a priority for us because that's critical for us to ensure that we are bringing in, as I stated earlier, the right talent and continuing uh, to develop that talent. One of the things that we learned is that there are so many young people that may not be familiar with the intelligence community. And so we've had the uh, opportunity working with OPM to establish the intelligencecareer.gov. And so this provides an opportunity uh, for uh, there's for anyone that uh, goes into OPM site, they'll be able to see the intelligence community on microsites and have the opportunity to uh, tap into those sites to learn more about us. That's a capability we had not already had, uh, we didn't have. And that's been uh, in place for, I guess, within the last year, 18 months. And as we've uh, kind of followed along on just the number, the exposure that we're getting as a result of that, you're talking say over a million people have gone into that site over the last year and probably half of them have gone into our microsites. Again, exposure and we're learning also from that just with the increased applications that we're getting. We've also incorporated a commercial capability and that's the uh, virtual recruitment capability. And so there are three tools that we use and 16 of our 18 uh, agencies are using them today. And this is a virtual recruiting capabilities. And that allows us to not only reach out to uh, the individuals and the, the schools, we can schedule events, provide a repository for the resumes, which we make available across the community. And we also schedule interviews. We can schedule them around the clock. No matter where you are, we can schedule virtual interviews. So that's also uh, it expanded the opportunity for us to reach uh, talent that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach using some of our, our legacy uh, uh, capabilities. And your point about the future generation, and of course, everyone is talking about our Gen Zers. In my view, uh, I think that we certainly offer so much that aligns with their views, their values. Uh, when you look at some of their views, you know, they're more racially and eth ethnically diverse than previous generations, very well educated. Uh, they're uh, digital uh, natives. They have no memory of any anything other than uh, smartphones. So they're definitely are not afraid of technology. Uh, many of them experienced during the pandemic some of the challenges with their families, friends, of being unemployed. So establishing a secure work environment is important to them as well. They also enjoy feeling that they're contributing to a cause. And when you understand our missions, and we have tremendous missions, it's, it's something they can connect with because they can also connect with climate change, the things we do to support natural disasters. So there's so many areas that they can connect with us and uh, and we be believe would be very attractive. And actually, as we're getting out into the 
underrepresented populations. We're finding, in fact, many of them, once they learn about what we do, they're excited about it. And again, it's that exposure, whatever we can do to continue to expose and make people aware of uh, who we are, what we do. And um, most consider pay a, a major factor for attracting talent. We have mixed reviews on that. In some cases, that may be a priority for some, but not all. So again, with our Gen Zers, it just depends on their area of expertise, but pay is not necessarily the dominating factor. They also look for flexibilities and the opportunity to continue to grow and learn. Again, that's foundational for us as far as continuous learners. With our Gen Zers, you know, looking at probably by 2025, they're projected to be about 27% of the workforce and one third of the Earth's population. They're not going to stay in one place for 30 years, which many of us are very familiar with that. When you hire into an organization, you stay there until you retire. And so we recognize that they will be looking for opportunities to continue to broaden and expand and grow. And we welcome that because our desire is we will make their experience with us the best experience. So as they're Going to other organizations, staying within the intelligence community is also staying with us. You know, we're continuing to uh, leverage that investment. And then when they're at the point that they're ready to settle down, then we expect that they will certainly consider coming back to us. And again, that's Cynthia Snyder, Assistant Director of National Intelligence for Human Capital. We're going to take a short break, but we'll pick up the conversation when we come back. I'm Justin Doubleday, and you're listening to Inside the IC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Inside the IC. I'm your host, Justin Doubleday, and I'm speaking with Cynthia Snyder, Assistant Director of National Intelligence for Human Capital. You mentioned the flexibilities are important, perhaps, you know, on par, more important than pay, potentially. And then going to other organizations within the IC, I mean, just having those flexibilities to move around even within the IC, maybe that hasn't existed as much before. How, how are you trying to get to that level of job mobility? Okay, so right now we do have rotational programs. Uh, we call it our joint duty program, which allow our workforce to apply for opportunities within other agencies to either broaden and strengthen their trade craft or help enhance their current trade craft. And also as part of uh, leader development, because uh, in our view, everyone is an intelligence officer. And so the more you know about the intelligence community and other organizations, that'll make you an even stronger and effective leader. So we're continuing to focus on growing and developing future IC leaders. And uh, because we work so close together, um, our missions are, are connected. You know, we, we can't do anything in a, in a vacuum. We depend on each other to deliver 
uh, the most uh, accurate and time sensitive responses to uh, support our senior decision makers. And so when you understand how each other contributes, then that makes you a stronger and effective leader because now you can have those conversations and uh, you understand what you need from the other agency. They understand your needs. So definitely uh, our joint duty program is one of the several programs that we use to continue to grow and develop uh, IC leaders. Uh, We also have a program that we're recently piloting is our uh, private-public talent exchange. And that's a program that's been established that we're piloting with industry. And uh, this provides us an opportunity to uh, consider uh, companies that specialize in areas that we may not have the breadth and depth in at this time, but we're growing that uh, capability. And this provides us an opportunity to uh, send someone out on a rotational assignment with that company for three, six months or whatever time frame that uh, we agree upon. And so when they come back, they'll be able to bring those uh, skill sets back to continue to infuse into our workplace. And that program also affords us an opportunity to bring industry into our footprint as well. And so we've made it through the first part uh, because you know, working with our general counsel, just ensuring that we don't create a situation that would uh, imply that we're giving any company an advantage. So uh, we've worked through those initial discussions with our general counsel, and we're sending our first of a few out this fall, and they'll be focused in the space arena. Okay, got it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The public-private talent exchange is actually getting off the ground here with some space companies this fall. And you say it's just a few at this point? There's uh, several other areas that we're focused in. So we've started with space. We'll have AIML, uh, human capital, uh, finance, and economic security, and data science. Those are the, the five that we're working towards establishing those relationships to uh, have rotational assignments within those companies. Well, it must be very exciting. I, I know that uh, different uh, folks have been looking forward to this for a while. I remember talking to, I think, your uh, chief data officer about the prospects of using this for data science. So it must be pretty exciting for the community to be able to take advantage of that. I wanted to ask you about the improvements ODNI wants to make to the personnel vetting process. I know that you know, personnel vetting policy is not your lane per se when it comes to setting that policy. But in terms of how it could be made easier for part of the recruiting process, even if you can't necessarily speed up that timeline to just a few days to get your security clearance, obviously that that's not going to happen anytime soon. But especially for these, you know, Gen Zers who just probably have no awareness initially of what that process might be like, what they're really getting into. How are you trying to make this just easier to get through, more streamlined? Are there there strategies there from the human capital perspective? Again, another great question. (laughs) Security always comes up in all of the discussions. And, uh, And we have a great partnership with our security personnel. And one of the things we're doing from the human capital perspective we're uh, investing in uh, capabilities to try to integrate 
the security medical uh, suitability processes as part of an end-to-end process with our human capital systems. Currently, once you reach this stage of the process, uh, that is handled outside of human capital, then it comes back into our process. And so what we're doing and we're trying to work is a capability that would integrate that process. So once we reach that stage of the process, it automatically transitions into whatever that elements security tool to continue that process. And so we're connected, talking the entire time. And once that process uh, is complete, then it automatically notifies us that we're ready to finalize that offer for the employee. But just providing more automation is an area that we believe will help us strengthen that uh, process with our security partners. So essentially, you're a candidate. You get through. You get your your job offer, conditional on on getting a clearance. And the idea is that once that happens, you wouldn't just kind of go into a a nine month period where you're not hearing anything while the background investigation happens. Correct. And uh, once they submit their application, then we our system our goal is for our system to automatically transition into the security system to start that process. And there will be notifications throughout, just as reminders, if there's additional information that's needed from the applicant, then that'll be known. So it's increasing not only the uh, technology, connectivity, but the uh, communication throughout the process. Very interesting. That's a positive update, I'm sure, for, for the folks who are trying to hire into the IC and are worried about losing that that candidate who finds another job in the interim just because they have to take it um, for, for whatever reason. And we, we touched on this a, a little bit earlier. I'd love to know just your goals um, for improving diversity, equity, and inclusion across the IC. I, I know this has been something that ODNI has been driving toward for a long t- a few years now, really measuring DEI and you put out annual reports, it shows improvements, but of course there's still ground to be gained there. Um, how, how are you trying to improve those metrics? How are you tracking those metrics from, from your human capital perspective? As you're probably, you may be aware, our DNI Haynes has stressed that diversity, inclusion, equity, and equal opportunity are mission imperatives within the IC and one of our top national security issues of our time. I had mentioned earlier about uh, untapped talent. And one of the things that we're doing to increase diversity of our workforce is going into uh, more of our historically Black colleges, our minority-serving institutions, uh, a lot of the professional organizations. So again, just widening the aperture uh, because we, we have seen that we've not expanded our recruitment into those areas to the degree that we we believe is necessary to ensure that we're providing opportunities for a workforce or that's outside of the Washington metropolitan area. Most people believe that we just recruit within this area. It's not true, however, we can do more. It's because there's so many opportunities that uh, we have available 
and to have a broader workforce with the talent that we're looking for, it just makes it even better for us to ensure that we're getting a very good competitive pool and that we are selecting the best talent. We're also uh, looking at neurodiversity because, uh, you know, we're talking about individuals that are brilliant. And uh, that, again, is an area that we're starting to do more as far as recruitment because uh, we've experienced a few pilots within the intelligence community where we've brought in uh, several individuals that are neurodivergent and work with them throughout the process and actually brought them on board. So they are hired working within the intelligence community. And in doing so, we also found out that we have so many other employees that are on the spectrum, but they were afraid to speak up because they were assumed that they would be treated differently. And so recognizing that, hey, we're supporting everyone. We want to give everyone the same opportunities. It's just opened up so many other doors. Last month, I had an offsite with our human capital leaders and uh, had a presentation on uh, neurodiverse. It went over extremely well. Uh, many of the leaders sent their team to some training. There's other training coming up in the next couple of months that they'll be taking advantage of. Again, it's part of what we need to do is educate the workforce, educate the supervisors, educate the leaders, helping them to see what a great wealth of talent, untapped talent, that we certainly can leverage to help close some of the gaps in the, some of the even most challenging areas that you know we're seeking. Yeah. And on that point about neurodivergent employees or recruits, what are the, I guess, key points for a human capital team or just an organization to ensure that they can, you know, obviously make themselves a place that can recruit some of these these people who might think a little bit differently and then be a place where they want to stay for the longer term? I think it's important when we're looking at our a neurodivergent uh, workforce or an applicant, we have to make sure that our job announcements are clear, what we're looking for. And that's one of the, uh, the lessons learned with, some, with the pilots that's occurred, making sure our announcements are clear, understanding if there's an accommodation, what that accommodation is, and making sure that we have the resources in place to be able to support that accommodation educating their supervisors because you have situations where individuals, you know, they may exhibit a behavior that they're, they've not experienced. So educating them that, hey, this is okay. The individual is still delivering. They have this unique capability. They're knocking it out of the ballpark. So you don't negatively reflect on an individual just because they may not behave the way you expect them to. It's understanding those differences and accepting and embracing them so they feel part of our inclusive work environment. And when you also let those uh, individuals know that you're investing in them, what's available to them, if they have concerns, they can raise those concerns uh, to us. And we are more than uh, willing to do what we can to address them. So that communication, the open, transparent communication, and uh, not feeling that because I have an accommodation 
then that makes me so different that people treat me different. And again, just making sure the employee and the supervisors are knowledgeable and uh, comfortable as we continue to move forward and bring more uh, neurodivergent applicants into our workplace. I know the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency had a publicly acknowledged pilot that there was a lot of, um, of discussion around. Is it fair to say that, you know, the entire community is kind of expanding on that? How, how does this kind of formally move forward? Yeah, actually, I was uh, part of initiating and executing that pilot. And uh, we've had we had several opportunities. And that's going back to an earlier question on rotational assignments. I am on a rotational assignment with the ODNI. So NGA is my home agency. And so we did pilot a neurodiverse program and we had a tremendous opportunities working with and talking to other IC agencies elements that did the same or they took some of our lessons learned and they started doing the same thing. We're expecting that interest to continue to increase just based on the discussions and the training that we've made available to their human capital staff. So they're better prepared. Actually, NGA just notified me a couple of days ago that they're getting ready to start their next increment, if you will, program to bring in a neurodivergent workforce. So that's exciting. And I know the Navy uh, intelligence activity has also piloted a program and several others. I think we all recognize that's the tremendous talent that's available to us. And it's up to us to do everything we can to leverage that talent and ensure that we're able to integrate everyone into, as I would refer, one IC. All right. That is, that is very exciting. Well, while we have time, I just want to make sure we touch on um, one more really interesting thing that I, I know you had mentioned at the Security Clearance Jobs Conference that um, you appeared at uh, earlier this fall. And that was ODNI's outreach to college athletes, college uh, athletics programs. What's all that about? What, what is ODNI trying to, to get after there? Again, uh, as I stated earlier, there's so much untapped talent. And that's just one of the several groups that our team reached out to, talking to the coaches. When you, when you look at an athlete and you look at the discipline, the training, the teamwork, the critical thinking, they possess a, a lot of the same skills that we look for with any individual coming into our workforce. And they are also getting a great education as well. So um, again, they're just one group that we're trying to do what we can to make sure that any group or population, it could be baseball players, basketball players, anyone would consider the intelligence community as an opportunity for employment. And most wouldn't necessarily do that that are in the sports arena. So uh, this, again, just an opportunity to expose the IC to them, as well as expanding it beyond just the athletes, but any group that we wouldn't normally talk to or wouldn't be viewed is a group that we would normally interact with. We're letting everyone know that we have, <laughs> there's no boundaries. We're available. We're looking for everyone and no one is excluded. It's that exposure that you mentioned earlier. Well, looking forward, is there anything else that you think is particularly important to keep in mind when it comes to ODNIs and the intelligence communities, human capital strategies? 
And I think it's uh, for us as we're looking forward with our strategy to make sure that we're hiring, sustaining, and building our future workforce. The workforce will always be a priority. We can't do our mission without the workforce. But if we didn't have the mission, we wouldn't have our workforce. So we're so intertwined. You can't separate us. And so I think that just understanding the importance of our workforce, the importance of investing in our workforce, uh, understanding the future and the changes that we need to make. You know, there are culture changes we have to take into consideration uh, because, again, looking at Gen Zers and those that are coming behind them. So just being aware and in tune with what's going on around us, what the workforce is looking for, and then doing everything that we can to meet those needs. We believe, without a doubt, uh, we are definitely a great agency to work for. And we provide so many, and I'll say benefits, because most aren't aware of when we hire someone, it's not just the salary, it's also the benefit packages that go with that. And uh, most people don't talk about that. And that's an area that we're expanding the conversation because we're learning that that we've always known it's important, but having those conversations, even in advance of someone applying for a job, those are things they take into consideration before making a final decision as far as who they would accept a job with. So it's exciting years ahead, exciting today. But I, I think as we continue to look to the future, there's so many opportunities for us that we'll definitely continue to ensure that we have the talent that's prepared to take on all the challenges ahead. Absolutely. And thank you for taking the time again to talk us through those challenges. Again, Cynthia Snyder is Assistant Director of National Intelligence for Human Capital. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Inside the IC on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your shows.